Yeah, so uh, we, we are beginning the year uh, with uh, a particular aim in mind, annual theme, mirror image, and uh, just really stunned by the, the artistry uh, of, the, uh, of the annual theme, and I want to just offer a shout out and a thanks to Robin Johnson, our uh, director of communication, for, for providing us this art that that can uh, illuminate for us what this looks like. And it's rooted and grounded in Scripture. It's grounded in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18. And I want to remind you of this verse. We read it last week. And my prayer is that, that you and I will grow to, uh, to memorize this verse and not just memorization for, uh, for information, but memorization for transformation, that this verse would speak over us over the course of this year and, and we would be so uh, clearly aligned with what God is proclaiming uh, to us in his word that, that, we would, um, that, that we would see a difference made in our lives. Here's what the, the, the words of this verse stay. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord, though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. I mean, did you hear that? This, this mirror image, the glory of the Lord as though in a, image, uh, in, in a mirror, and we're being transformed into that glory, this mirror image, our lives reflecting God's glory into the world. And so I wanted to, to make sure we were deeply rooted in that, but uh, we turn the page from that introduction to the annual theme last week into a, a deep dive study on the glory of the Lord over the course of the next four weeks. And, and uh, there's, there's a gift that, that we have in the church that's uh, maybe often kind of overlooked, and, and that's the introduction to our a sermon series, and and I want to read what this this introduction says because it uh, helps us to understand where we're going in this series and, and roots us in that. So it says, in the coming year, we're leaning into the divine invitation that we hear in Second Corinthians three eighteen. Lock eyes with me, God says. Become like me. He invites us. Share. In my glory, he says. But there is an underlying assumption in that. Can we truly stare at the glory of the Lord and come away unscathed? Can we truly stare at the glory of the Lord and come away unscathed? Can you stare at the sun without hurting your eyes? And for thousands of years, humankind could only gaze upon the glory of God through a veil. But Jesus unveiled the bride, the church. So come and see what God has done. Come and see how God has made it safe for you and me to stare at the sun. This is uh, the, the work, the invitation that we have together over these next weeks to study the glory of the Lord, to come to know and understand that God has made a, a way for us to relate to him intimately, to, to uh, not only uh, perceive the glory, but then to reflect the glory, his glory into the world. And so we're going to begin today reading Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22, and then following on through 
chapter 10, verse 3, an introduction to the glory of the Lord for us, the church. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. And Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Aaron's son Nadab and Abihu took their censers and put fire in them and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all people, I will be honored. And Aaron remained silent. This is God's word for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Even when we approach your word and we receive challenging messages, Lord, we, we come before you and seek to know and understand you rather than to impose ourselves upon your word. So we ask now, gracious Father, that you would open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds, we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then in response, I ask, gracious Father, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you love trainings? Like at corporate train, like, I, I mean, I, I, now I know we have like half of the congregation works at Exxon, so I know you have trainings. How many of you love trainings? No one? No, okay. oh, oh, there, uh, she's kind of like a little, little half hand, like, I like trainings. Uh, now, now, some of you are like, but I do the trainings, so I have to like them. No, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's so important, the work of trainings, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think about uh, trainings, and I wonder, is that, is a training kind of like um, reading instructions or asking for directions? And if so, then the men in the room are out, we're out, we're not reading instructions or asking for directions. Well, uh, just a note, for, if you have an elementary school kid, I'm going to give you like a uh, like, uh, uh, flashcard into success in parenting in junior high and high school. Are you ready? The lab quiz. All right, uh, whenever they begin having labs in junior high, they are given instructions about how to behave in lab. And they take a quiz that is actually a major grade at the beginning of the year to learn how to behave in lab. But here is the kind of amplification of the importance of this. Every single year, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, you take lab uh, instructions and you take a quiz 
and every year it is a major grade, and every year it is the exact same quiz. And let me tell you how many people, year after year after year, fail the quiz. Like, like it's the same content, six years in a row, the same test, six years in a row. And whenever my kids came back in their sophomore and junior years with a major grade to begin the semester that was less than 100, I looked them in the face and said, what is wrong with you? This is supposed to be a slam dunk. They have given you these instructions over and over and over again. Why can't you just follow the instructions? But sometimes it can be daunting, maybe. Or sometimes maybe we don't listen. I've been CPR trained a number of times. And I think that if an actual occasion came where I had to administer CPR, you would be in trouble. I have, I have two things from CPR training that I know to do. You ready? Travis, call 911. That's the first. I can check that box. See, you look someone in the eye, you say their name, and you have them call. And then here's the other one. Staying alive, staying alive. Uh, uh. Am I the only one that took CPR training? So, I mean, those are the two things I got. Everything else is a mess. And I wonder what details I missed along the way. Or what didn't stick with me? What did I feel was not important enough? I mean, with CPR training, it might be that I just said, you know what? The chances that I'm going to be called on to do that are so minuscule. Maybe it really doesn't matter that much. Or maybe I did pay attention, but somewhere along the way, it didn't just quite add up. That kind of first day on the job after being trained. I mean, have you ever started a new job and they went through on their onboard, all of their onboarding? I mean, you did the paperwork, you did the drug test, you did all that kind of stuff, but then you had the training. You know, they, they told you, this is what you're going to do. This is how to do it. This is our, our, our data processing. This is how we uh, deal with our PTO, all of that. They gave you all the details. And then you got that first day on the job where there's no one kind of there to back you up. And you're like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Did I take good notes? Did I pay attention? Did I take it seriously? Well, that's where we find ourselves in Leviticus today. Uh, the instructions have been given, and now we're at day one on the job. But just, just to frame it up to be sure that we're all kind of built into the same place, Leviticus chapter 1 all the way through chapter uh, 9 uh, is the instigation, the, the orientation to what was promised by God in Exodus chapter 6 verse 7. Exodus Chapter 6, verse 7, invites us to understand the relationship that God desires for us to have. God says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. This is the kind of relationship that God is establishing. And as the people move out of Egypt and are, are, are beginning to pursue that relationship with God in the wilderness before they even arrive in the promised land, God gives some instructions. And when you look at, at Leviticus, the, the, the first 
through seventh chapters are all instructions about how this is going to operate, the kind of offerings that are going to be made, the purpose of the offerings, the, 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 the ritual behind them, and the, sometimes the purpose of the ritual, and other times he doesn't give the purpose, but he just says this is the way it's going to be. And so we have seven chapters of very specific, in-detail information. And all of it is because God's presence, God's glory... God's glory needs uh, to be acknowledged as holy. And so I want you to, to hear this, maybe even write this down. This is kind of the theme about God's glory that we need to be confronted with. God's glory requires mediated interaction in order to mitigate risk. God's glory requires mediated interaction in order to mitigate risk. So what is the risk? I mean, that might be the initial question. Uh, I mean, it, it is a risky thing to be intimately interacting with a holy God as an unholy person, as a perfect, sinless God, as a sinful person. Uh, it's, it's so uh, daunting for us to imagine what it is to be the creation interacting with the creator. Think about this. There is an imbalance between us and God. And in that imbalance, there is, there is radical risk. Because who am I? Who are we that we would approach this heavenly throne as an earthly creation? As a, as a perfect God interacts with an imperfect people. That's the risk. The risk is that when the unholy is confronted or encountered by the holy, are we yet consumed? Are we, are we able to stand in that presence? And that... That risk has to be mitigated in some way, and God wants that risk to, to be mitigated. God creates uh, intermediaries, and that's, that's what this Leviticus uh, instruction is, this space where God is providing a priesthood, uh, a, a class of priests that will stand in the gap, that will be able to, to uh, carry the, the burdens of the people to the one that is able to receive them and transform them. This mediated presence is, in this season of history, the priest. And if the, if the risk is rooted in sin, then the priest must cleanse themselves. The priest must make themselves holy by sacrifice and obedience to the commands of God. And, and now you begin to, to realize how important the instructions of Leviticus 1 through 7 are. I mean, if I was the one who is being called by God to stand as a mediating force, mitigating the risk of God's glory, I might take those instructions seriously. I might pay uh, undivided attention. I might take classic notes so that I could make certain that I am following in his footsteps. 
But it, the, the story continues to shift. So we have this purpose in Exodus 6, 7. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. And here's how we're going to do it. Uh, the instructions from Le- Leviticus chapter 1 through Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus chapter 8 is the ordination of the priest. And so Aaron is ordained and Aaron's sons are ordained. And the, the, the Levites are set as this class of priests to mitigate this risk. And so we have the ordination after the instructions, and now we come to day one on the job. And you could go back and you could read uh, chapter 9, and, and you could follow along as it was instructed in the steps of chapter 1 through chapter 7, and everything goes perfectly. It's the best day one ever, according to plan. Uh, perfectly uh, executed to the, uh, to the instruction. I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Everything is perfect. And we even hear that at the end of chapter 9, which we read together. It says that Aaron then blessed the people and the sin offerings and the burnt offerings were, were accomplished and then he stepped down. It's like, it is finished. It has been accomplished. Day one, check. And everything is looking uh, upward from there. And then Moses and Aaron go into the tent of meeting and they come out and the glory of God appears to all the people. And, and, and they're like astounded. They have seen the glory of God shining on Moses' face before. And now they, they're bearing witness as the glory is shining from the tent of meeting. And I just, I just wonder what this is like. I wish that I could uh, bear witness to this just as the people of God did this, this awesome exposure to God's glory. And then... And then uh, fire comes out from the tent of meeting, and it says it consumes the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. So the glory of God shines, and a fire representing the glory of God consumes those offerings, thus restoring God's people in right relationship with God. How beautiful to be able to have this visual of the spiritual experience that you and I have received and long to continually receive. This fire that consumes and brings forth right relationship between us and God. This first day could not have gone any better. In fact, at the end of chapter 9, it says, and when the people saw this, they shouted for joy and they fell face down in worship, in awe and wonder, face down before their God. But day one wasn't over. You, you probably caught that when we read this, this, this uh, all too sad and somewhat terrifying uh, opening to chapter 10 that is the conclusion of day one, and it involves Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, 
See, Nadab and Abihu were ordained as priests, set aside for this work. They had been given strict instructions on what to do and how to accomplish these purposes. And and they must have missed something in the instructions or failed to comprehend the awesome nature of their task because uh, their role was specifically, specifically to honor God and humble self according to God's commandments. To honor God and to humble self according to God's commandments. So to to not be about what you wanted to do in that space and time. To not do things according to your order or according to your direction. But rather to follow God's direction, his commands, to the letter of the law. In detail. And that was what Nadab and Abihu missed somewhere along the way. You see... It describes their actions in chapter 10, verse 1 in this way. They offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary against God's commands. Unauthorized fire, contrary to his commands. You see, rather than, uh, than being humble before the Lord, rather than honoring God, they took it upon themselves to walk in their own way and to do things according to, to their own will. And God's glory was shown in the fullness of its imbalance. These imperfect Sinful, broken people taking it upon themselves to work according to their purposes are met with the glory of a perfect God who has purposes for his people and they are consumed rather than their offerings. I mean, this is so hard for us to read Aaron's sons, priests who've been ordained by God, die before the Lord. They are consumed, burnt up because they offer unauthorized fire contrary to the commands. But the the reality that we must be confronted with is while this is harsh and sad, this is actually uh, the, the due that you and I would be expected to pay on our own. We're not, uh, we're not worthy to approach God. We're not able to approach God on our own accord, by our own will, and according to our own purposes. But rather, we need God to provide a mediating force that can accomplish uh, a bridging of the gap so that we can be made one with God again. You see, God made a way for his people in Leviticus to interact with him, to be one with him, to carry forward an exposure of his glory to the world. The rituals of the Israelite people were that mediating force that we require. And yet, uh, that 
that, that veil, the veil between us and God continued for thousands of years, uh, all fulfilling that expectation of God's intimacy with God's people from Exodus chapter 6. And then you and I receive a torn veil. We are an unveiled bride. We are interacting with God's glory, not by the mediating factor or force of the priest, not by the mediating force of the ritual or the offering and sacrifice, but rather by what Jesus did on the cross, paying the price for your sin and mine so that we might be able to, to carry his holiness forward in our relationship with God. We are being made holy as he is holy through the work of Christ. This is a transforming reality that the veil would be torn and we could see and experience God's glory. I know that we hear in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we're to be this mirror image, bearing God's glory into the world, but it could be an unbelievable task because it is truly awesome. But God made Away in Jesus for us to see, receive, and reflect his image, his glory to the world. But we must be careful, careful to understand that this glory is awesome in power and it is consuming in impact. So we must be humble. We must be uh, deferential. We must make certain to honor God with our lives for the work he did in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for, uh, for the truth of your word, this, this, uh, this glory that, that uh, shines forth, that has such uh, awesome uh, awesome power and, and cleansing fire. Lord, cleanse us from within. Burn off the dross. Uh, make our, our, our sin clean and wash us whiter than snow so that we might be your people, intimately connected to you as our heavenly Father. God, we thank you we thank you for your work amongst us and for the, the power of the cross to cleanse. And so we pray now, Father, that you, would, uh, that you would shine your glory in and through us as your people, that the world would come to know you more through us. Lord, we pray that you would uh, be with us as we continue even now in this time of offering, that we, would, uh, that, that we would offer a portion of what you have given to us to the kingdom building work of your church. Lord, I pray that you would bless these gifts this time, that you would be glor glorified, that you would receive honor and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.